Hi, this is Steve Thomas, pastor of the First Baptist Church at Delray Beach. Welcome to our podcast. We study God's Word to apply it to our lives in order to make a difference in this life and in eternity. We hope you enjoy this message. We cry out, we cry out. Well, today we're going to finish our series on the gift, and today it's all about the response. The response. The response that happens when you open a gift tells the story, doesn't it? I mean, do you ever like get geared up and you're getting a gift? And maybe it's from your husband. Is this cutting out? I think this is cutting out. Um, it's Christmas, so we're struggling a little bit with, I don't know why. All right, let's see if it keeps working. If not, somebody throw me a mic. I'll just shout. Anyway, um, I don't know. I've gotten gifts before for people, and I wasn't really sure if it was the right thing. And you're sitting there studying the response. And maybe you've received gifts, and maybe it was from someone that you were probably didn't think they had an idea of what it would be a good gift, and you're trying to create the response. Have you ever done that? Maybe you practiced in front of a mirror and go, oh. You would never do that because you're too honest, right? But I did love watching our grandson Oliver this morning because when he opens a gift, it was just sheer delight and glee, and his eyes flew open, and his, his eyebrows arched, and he opened his hands, and he was so excited. The response tells the story of how we feel about a gift. And we're talking about the gift of Jesus Christ this morning. So we've been talking about the whole month of December. The gift of Jesus Christ, as it says so simply in Matthew, as the angel spoke to Joseph, it is salvation from our sins. It is the presence of Jesus in our lives, of God in our lives. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. But how we respond to that gift tells the story. And this morning, we're going to look at the scriptures that talk about four different groups of people, and one into three different groups of people, and one individual, and how they responded to the gift. If you're new to us here at First Baptist Church, we preach through major sections of scripture. We preach and proclaim what the Word of God says, and we'll be looking at a lot of scripture this morning, beginning in Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And this is, if you've seen the Charlie Brown Christmas, you know this passage well. So this is uh, Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. And look at the response of the angels first and then the shepherds. Luke chapter 2, verse 8 says this, in the same region there were shepherds out in the fields keeping watch over their flock by night. Let me pause there because that's what shepherds did. They stayed out in the fields and incidentally, not to burst your bubble, but Jesus was probably most certainly not born on December the 25th. The shepherds are out in their fields because it is very likely springtime when lambs are born. Otherwise, they generally wouldn't be out there. But because of the fact that lambs are being born, shepherds are out in the fields. And shepherds, incidentally, are not really, let's say, reputable characters. They're not the upper crust of society. They're not highly paid workers. They are entry-level workers. These are guys that were hired to care for the sheep, most likely. And the shepherds were people who didn't even get to go to worship much, especially this time of year, because their work, being close with animals and being close with the birthing of animals, especially made them ceremonial unclean. 
So that's who these guys are. They do look great in nativity scenes, though, with their crooked sticks. And, and Jesus does come as the good shepherd, to be sure. So there is some romance to that and some excitement about being a shepherd. But these are not people with great influence. Continuing verse 9. So it's night, though. Get that. I love that it's night. I love that it's dark because this is going to make the effects so dramatic. Verse 9. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were filled with great fear. So suddenly there's an angel that just appears, and there's this incredibly bright light that would scare you to death, right? In the middle of the night, caring for sheep. So suddenly there's this great light. The glory of the Lord shone round about them. They're filled with great fear. Verse 10. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased." So the first, there's just one angel, and and God has sent one messenger. Remember, angels are messengers of God. They are people, they are not people, they are created beings who exist really in the presence of God. And they are messengers and servants of God. I know this breaks some people's heart, but you will never be an angel. If you die, you don't get to become an angel. You actually get to become a little higher than the angels. So usually when people say, you know, my my wife died and now she's an angel, what they mean is she's in heaven and in a better place, great. But they're not actually angels. Angels are are beings that God created to serve him and to be a messenger for him. So God sends an angel. Listen, I'm pointing to what God has done, and God always points to his activity if we watch closely. This is what I am doing. For unto you a Savior is born, and he is Christ the Lord, Christ being the anointed one, the Messiah, the Lord, he is God. And that's what the angel is expressing to these shepherds, pointing out to them what God is doing. And he says that you're going to find him. Here's how you're going to know him. He's going to be wrapped in swaddling clothes, which is really, that sounds really romantic to us. It sounds, real, it sounds to us like snuggling clothes, like the, like the Steve Weagle snuggle alert. You know, if you watch Channel 5, you know about that. You know, but it, it, it's not really that. It's more like just strips of rags that they had. It's just meaning he was poor. And he's wrapped almost mummy-like with these strips of cloth. And you're going to know him because he's lying in a feed trough. That's what a manger is. You probably know that. That's where you would feed the animals. So we talked about last night the fact that Jesus was born likely in more like a carport than a stable. I mean, there was no cars, I know. But a little, little, a little uh, livestock pen attached to the house with an with a awning over it. That's where he would have been born. And there would have been a little trough that they would have fed the lambs and goats that would have kept in this little pen. The only place they had to lay him was in this feed trough. So the angel said, this is how you're going to know him. It's the only baby you're going to find that's laying in a feed trough, in a manger, wrapped in these strips of cloth. And again, because this pen, this crude, stable-like carport structure was visible, it was a way for the shepherds to find him. 
So that's what the angel reports, but I love what happens next. It's as if heaven cannot hold itself back. And God opens and pulls back the curtain so that we can see, or the the shepherds can see, literally thousands, possibly millions of angels praising God. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Here's what he's saying. God is doing something so amazing. We who get to see him and get a, a really a good idea of what he is doing, we are shouting our praises to him. That's the response of the angels. I love that some that, that beings that can see him much better than we do, have a much better perspective than we do, are shouting praises to our God. And God pulls back the veil of heaven just enough so that the shepherds can see that. That's their response. Verse 15. So what do the angels, what do the shepherds do? Verse 15 says, When the angels went away from there into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. So these low-level workers, they get this message from heaven. And you wonder, was there a discussion about this? Did they kind of go, hey, do you think we should go? I don't know. I don't know, that roasted lamb we just did, that's, that's still not ready to eat. Let's wait, you know. Maybe we should see if we just had a bad dream. No, we all had it, so can't. I don't think they had any discussion, do you? God has spoken through his angels. Something amazing has happened in Bethlehem. Let's go see. Their response was to immediately respond to the voice of the angel and to go and find this baby Jesus. And when they found him, they told everybody about him. I love that response to the gift that God has delivered. They went and saw, and then they told everybody about him. And maybe that's been your experience. Maybe you have heard the news about this gift. You've heard the story of Jesus. And when you heard it and when you understood it, you responded immediately. And you went to wherever God was leading you and you found out everything you could find out and God drew you to himself and you received that incredible gift of Jesus Christ. And you experienced the forgiveness of sin. You experienced that innocence. And you live in the reality of the presence of God in your life. And you're thrilled about that. But that's not everyone's experience. And I always love to hear people's Jesus story. It's one of the things we do here at First Baptist Delray. We love to hear the story of how Jesus is active in people's lives. We love to hear how you came to know him, or we love to hear about the journey that you're on. The wise men in Matthew are on such a journey. Matthew chapter 2. We see these men, these magi, these, common, these guys who are a combination of astronomers, astrologers, priests, college professors, very well thought of guys. They are actually the polar opposite of shepherds because they're 
educated, they're respected, and they would study the skies to see what was happening, and then they would make inferences about what they thought might be happening on earth. So look with me, Matthew chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. God's word says this. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him, and assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. Which, pause right here, Herod is the king of the Jews at the time. He, is a sub, he, is the, he works directly for Rome. He is a half-Jew, and he is viewed by most of the Jewish people as a usurper, someone who doesn't belong on the throne. So much so that he doesn't really know the history of the Jewish people. He doesn't know where the Messiah was to be born, so he needs to call in a lot of experts. And they told him, verse 5, in Bethlehem of Judea, for it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who shall shepherd my people Israel. And then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, Bring me word, and I too will come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. And then opening their treasure, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. This is a different story, isn't it, than the shepherds? It's a different message to these wise men. You always wonder, why doesn't God send an angel to everyone? Why doesn't I get it? I was out in the woods once. It was really dark. It was late at night. I was wondering. I was really hoping that an angel would show up. And maybe that's where you are today. But That's not everyone's experience. You see, God knows how to speak to you so you can understand. And these guys were men who studied the skies. And God spoke to them in a way that they could understand. You may say, well, Steve, I don't understand the whole star thing, and I don't understand the science of that. Does God put up stars when leaders are born? How does that work? Listen, here's what we need to understand. It's God knows how to speak, and he can speak even through the sky. We don't know whether this was a comet or a falling star or what, but God spoke to these guys in their work so that they could understand and respond. See, God knows that about you as well. He knows what evidence you need. He knows what's reasonable for you. The question is, have you responded to that? The wise men had a long journey. They're probably Persian. Side note, they're probably Persian, maybe from Babylon, who had captured the children of Israel, the Babylonians. God actually spoke to people who had held his people captive. I love that. 
That's what kind of God we serve. He drew them all the way from what we know as Iran or Iraq to Israel. Probably a multi-month journey. Uh, this happened, we always wonder, well, when did, the, when did the wise men arrive? Because all the nativity scene shows the shepherds and the wise men on the same night. So it seems like it'd be really hard unless they had a really fast plane to get from Iran or Iraq to Israel in one night. Yes, you are correct. And notice that the text says that they came into a house. So either Mary and Joseph rented a house or they got to move from the pen into the house, but it for sure wasn't the same night. You see, their journey was much longer, somewhere between a few months and two years, because we know that Herod probably died within two years of Jesus' birth. They make their way. Let me ask you, how long has your journey been to follow Jesus? Maybe you're still on your way. I love that they saw the star, they followed the star, And they traveled to get to where the star was leading them. So many people that we get to talk to about their Jesus story, their journey is a long one. From wherever they were to where God is leading them. And I want to encourage you today, if you have a sense, a desire to know Jesus, that is evidence of his work in your life. The Bible says, no one seeks me, no, not one. If you're being drawn to him, that's him at work. Be excited, be thrilled, be joyful, because he will finish what he began. And he did that for the wise men. They made a long journey. They were wealthy men. And when they finally got to Israel, they had people who should have helped them, but didn't. And maybe that's been your experience. Maybe you say, you know what, I've been to churches before, and I thought these people were supposed to help me know Jesus, but they just confused me and made me get farther from him. Listen, I'm sorry for that, but that's what happens sometimes. But just know that God still led them on. And I praise God for that. See, God is able to lead people, even though some people try to get in the way. God led the wise men all the way to Bethlehem, all the way to Jesus. And when they got there, they unloaded some serious gifts. Thousands, tens of thousands, possibly hundreds of thousands of dollars given in gold, frankincense, and myrrh. These were very, very expensive items. And they came to say, this is the king. We don't know everything. And let me tell you, when you receive Jesus... You don't, usually don't know the whole story. I'm so grateful that as a nine-year-old child that God saved me, even though I didn't know, really, probably even the books of the Bible. I didn't know a whole lot, but all I knew is that I needed to respond to Jesus Christ. I needed to say, yes, Jesus, I need you to forgive me of my sin, and I want you to live with me in my life. That's all I knew. I love the response of the wise men. But then there's one more response we need to talk about. And it's the response of Herod. Breaks my heart, but for some, when they hear the story of Jesus, their first response is, I don't really need to be forgiven of my sins. Matter of fact, I'm offended that you would say I needed to be forgiven of my sins. And that's who Herod is. 
He's afraid he's going to lose his power to this new King Jesus. And let me tell you, that is so true throughout our culture today. If I follow Jesus, won't I lose my independence? Won't I lose my right to do whatever I want to do? Yes, but let me tell you, how's that doing what you want to do really working out for you? Wouldn't it be so much better to be forgiven? Wouldn't it be so much better to agree with God that I need forgiveness? Wouldn't it be so much better to have the God of the universe live with you and promise never to leave you? It's really that simple. I want to ask you this morning, what's your response to Jesus? In a crowd this size, it's likely that there's several that need to respond to Jesus and quit pushing him away, quit stopping him from having control, and quit robbing yourself of the innocence available through repentance. I want to urge you this morning, respond like the shepherds, respond like the wise men, because the God of the universe came to give you this incredible gift of himself his presence, and his forgiveness. And for some of you who follow Jesus for a long time, it may be that you've forgotten this gift that he gives us called repentance. And you said, well, you know, I, I repented a long time ago, and I'm living a pretty good life, certainly better than people I know. And you've lost the joy of that. You see, repentance is a gift given by the greatest gift. I want to urge you today, on Christmas Day, celebrate the gift of Jesus Christ that he died to give you. Because let me tell you, you need him. You need this gift, and he died to bring it to you. Would you receive it today? I'll be here right after the service. I would love to talk with anyone who say, you know what, I don't know that I've ever received it or I've forgotten about it. Can you help me? We would love that. Respond like a shepherd. Respond like a wise man. And respond like the angels. So our praise team comes on stage. Let me lead us in a word of prayer. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to our website at fbcdelray.com. Also, click the share button so you can share this message with a friend or someone in need as we seek to know Jesus, to know others, and to make him known. We cry out, we cry out.